Hello and welcome to the How to Trade Like a Pro podcast. I'm Wieland Alt and in this episode I welcome Alex Spiroglu and he is the inventor of the MACDV indicator oscillator and what this is about, this is what we will discuss in this podcast. Before we start, please take a closer look to the risk disclaimer in the show notes and now let's go. I'm here together with Alex Spiroglu. With Alex, I'm quite in a long-term contact already, and now I'm very, very happy, Alex, that you took the time and uh, sit here together with me to share some insights on technical analysis, trading, and maybe life as well. So welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you for uh, the invitation, Willand. Indeed, we have been, uh, um, we have known of each other for uh, quite some time. Yeah. And I'm very glad with this uh, podcast, our paths to cross, and I'm hoping this turns into a friendship for the years to come. It definitely will. I'm very, very uh, confident about this. And also, that's why I have this podcast, just to get in touch, to talk, to discuss. And honestly speaking, I'm always very curious how people just came to trading because naturally we're not born as traders. But maybe some people are born as merchants. Maybe people are born as being like a medicine, like a doctor or something like this. But I never heard of somebody just stepping into the world being a trader. How about you? Uh, that's a very good question. And, and it brings me back many, many years. The first um, contact I had with financial markets, um, well, let me say actually, was through my father. My father was working for Bank of America and he once took a trip, uh, a training trip to London. So he, when he went to Bank of America there, he went to the, uh, the, the trading floor, the dealing room. And mm. he saw, because he was on the uh, investment banking side of things. So once he saw that, he instilled the idea into me. He said, uh, son, I think you should go into, you know, you should look into trading and uh, go into the dealing room, as he used to call it. Of course, as a, as a, as a child of, at the age of 15 who wants to impress their dad, I said immediately said yes. Although I didn't know what at the age of 15 what a dealing room was. But in any case, uh, at the age of uh, 18, I decided to go to, uh, you know, do finance. I went to City University, banking and finance. So that was around the age of 18, 19 was my first idea that I wanted to go into markets. Uh, because although the, um, the degree itself was banking, I, I thought I gravitated more into markets. Mm -hmm. And I made my decision at the very last year. Um, I took my thesis to be the factors that are affecting the London Stock Exchange. That was with a, a, a finance, uh, um, a macro stand, macro point of view. And uh, but also something more important to me happened during my last year. We had an elective course called. At that time, it was called forecasting. The mm -hmm. professor that was teaching it was a Dr. Roy Bachelor, who I'm still in contact with, he's a very good friend. Now, Roy was a, a life trader who then decided to go into academia. But because he was a practitioner, he was using technical analysis. Now, but at that time, when I say at that time, that was like 95, technical analysis wasn't accepted as much in the academic community. So what he did, he, he decided to teach technical analysis, but not outright. So he put some econometrics at the beginning of the course, some at the end, like sandwich it, and call it forecasting rather than outright technical analysis. So I took that course as an elective, and that was my first contact with technical analysis at the age of 21, 22. I fell in love with it. Uh, Dal, Dal Jobman's book was the first one I got. So, and I've never looked back since then. Yeah. So you're by definition a technical analyst by heart as well, right? Um, yes, I would say yes. But uh, I'm, my style is more what I call uh, MTMF, multiple timeframes, multiple factors. But, and by that, I mean, um, I use different timeframes and I believe that each timeframe has its own return drivers. And for at the time frames, like for example, the monthly and the weekly, I think it's more fundamentally the forces that um, propel prices. 
in general, yeah. uh, for, for fundamentals and technicals, I think that um, technicals answer different questions than fundamentals. So I use yeah, both. Yeah, do. Of course. I mean, but by definition, you know, but if you look at fundamentals, you go numbers, products, season, whatever. Fundamentals are this. Technicals, hey, where, where, where did the price reverse <laughs> and why? But why is more technical side, resistance, support, not why, oh, bad product, bad management, bad whatever, bad numbers. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, uh, you know, fun fundamentals answer the question why and te uh, technicals answer the question when. So depending on which question I want to answer, I, I revert to the different tools. So I, I use a fair mix of both but if someone yeah. of course you know put a gun to my head and said you will use only one obviously i would revert to technicals yeah yeah and, and it makes sense to combine this i never understood actually alex why people really are so crazy about distinguishing it i mean you have to do a lot of work if you really want to dive deep into fundamentals you know like read all the papers and you know look over across the board and the world what is going on everywhere influences and everything it's easier with technical analysis, so we can have an easy screening process. But I assume that if you go a little bit more long term, you, you're deemed to be fundamentalist as well. I mean, yep. if you if you have Apple or Nokia, it's quite a difference, right? Yep, yep. And uh, to tell you, this, even in the short term, you can use fundamentals or macro, depending, of course, how you define one macro. Um, mm -hmm. For example. You can use uh, intermarket analysis, which on yeah. the face of it might be look like technicals, but practically it is, you know, fundamental analysis when you're comparing the flows of different asset classes. Um, so you can use macro factors on short term for short term trading as well. Mm -hmm. um, seasonals, for example, you can use that. Uh, you can use or sentiment on a short-term basis. You can use uh, intermarket on a short-term basis. Now, some data are not cannot be used. For example, like commitment of traders report or economic uh, statistics yeah. we get on a monthly basis. But there are others which are they can be used even on a short-term basis. Right. Yeah. So what is what do you prefer? You you already said you are in in some time frames. So you 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 do also intraday or just like let's say swing swing trading from day to day or what what is your style? Or no, I, I, intraday trading is not something I do. Uh, I've done it uh, before, but I don't think it's worth for me. Uh, and I I want to stress the word for me because whatever I say is my way, not the way. So. Yeah. Uh, Intraday is not something I do. My two operative time frames, my holding periods, is short term. Short term, I call anything from one to five, yeah. and a bit more long term, which goes out anything from two weeks and on. Uh, okay. Most of my trades uh, are a bit short term, usually around three to five days, unless I get stopped out. I mean, they can end uh, earlier if if I have a very large move, mm -hmm. or get stopped out. And then sometimes if I feel that there is a big move coming and I've got other stuff on top of it, I might try to hold the position. So that may last probably two to three weeks. But it also yeah. has to do because I'm I'm a futures trader. So I, it's not, I'm not an investor in the sense of stocks. I, can, I don't have a, the luxury of holding positions for, say, months. Yeah. So what, why, why futures? I mean, for myself, I can imagine because it makes life easier. You don't have all the screening process, you know, like sectors and everything. It's, you know, like, like a smaller choice. But what other reason is in place for you to be a futures trader, not just going on stocks and, you know, or, or whatever, stocks mainly? Well, initially, I started as a stock trader. But after a couple of years, I decided I went to leverage investments. Yeah. And, um, and in particular indices. Now, that was a bit of a byproduct of chance initially because um, a friend of mine was heading at the firm I was working at that time, was heading the uh, derivatives department, derivatives desk, futures desk, and he mm -hmm. left for another company. So they were looking for a replacement. So they thought, okay, is there some way we can cover the position internally? So I was the first one to say, okay, to volunteer. So that was my dive into the deep end. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kind of like started. But 
after that, it's always made sense to me because I'm always I'm a I'm a big picture guy. I'm I like I like chess to put it this way. So mm. with futures, dissecting the market into ten different economic sectors uh, gives me a big picture view. Plus, yeah. you have the advantage that indices or FX, or, or because I actually trade uh, commodities, FX. Uh, bonds and equity indices individually for an, even an equity index index mm. has less volatility than the component stocks yeah so from that point of view i kind of preferred it and i found the um the portfolio my my screener if you will my of looking say if around any, around 60 to 64 markets much more manageable but again that's just me it doesn't mean it has to be this way for everyone mm -hmm. yeah i mean there are several reasons, and especially that's 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 I think the main factor why people trade futures is they go really short term, which means intraday, especially if they're private investors, because you know if you hold it for a longer time, you have quite another margin going on, so you have to put more money into it. You have you might have a bigger risk because of moves, right? So it just needs some kind of of account to you know to manage it, but. I mean, everybody's talking about futures for the reasons they are the real products, right? Yeah, any... yeah, of course. You have they have the they have the advantage of having the leverage. Yeah. Um, I've always and plus, you know, it's 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 akin to many different types of analysis. For example, you can do intermarkets. You can do from an analytical point of view. I love it. Um, um, I do also look at shares, but not on an individual basis. Probably more like sectors. I was thinking of uh, launching a program for shares as well, but I've never gotten around to it. So for now, it's either through ETFs, uh, that's much of a, uh, if, if I want to skip the leverage, or futures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell, tell us about your style of trading or, or what you're especially looking for. As far as I know, you received awards for a very special um, idea of of using the MACD, the MACD. So how 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 was that? The MACTV, right? Well, the MACTV started to, in two thousand. The idea started in two thousand fourteen. Oh, yeah. um, and it started as following because I was studying the literature on momentum indicators, mm -hmm. and I've basically uh, the and there were like literally hundreds of them. So I wanted to make um, a list, you know, of this, uh, of this, uh, you know, try to to sort them out, basically take a taxonomy. So I sorted them out in two broad categories. There were like range bound indicators mm -hmm. and unbound. So yeah. as, so when within each category there were many many uh, uh, indicators in each family. So mm -hmm. what I found that that each family of indicators, irrespective of which one you used by and large, had the same pros and cons. Yeah. And in order to alleviate these pros and cons, I wanted to create a hybrid indicator, which would have the advantages of normalized and range-bound indicators, mm -hmm. and the advantages of unbound but uh, absolute price indicators and create a hybrid one. And that was discovered in 2015, and I was using it for uh, up until 2022 on, on a private basis, never disclosed it to anyone. And then I thought, uh, okay, I might as well write a paper about it. I, I thought I wanted to share. So what was mm -hmm. the best medium for me to share it? So I thought, okay, I'll write a paper about it. Yeah. And uh, if it wins, I will you know, be able to present it to people and you know, say there is some value, not because I said so, but because two other organizations thought so. Yeah. So that's the sh short story behind the MacTV. Yeah, but what is it about? So, I mean, we cannot share a screen because it's just audio, but sure. maybe you can describe that we have some kind of impression. So usually, Perfect. regularly, MACD is just, you know, you have like these these two um, averages crossing all over. So yep. coming from the upside to the downside and so on. So how, how is the MACDV? The MACDV, all right. The MACDV, what it does, it takes an, uh, the MACD, First of all, the original by Gerald Appel yeah. is uh, an absolute price indicator. But what do we mean? The, the actual formula is the 12 moving average mm -hmm. minus the 26 moving average. Now, yeah. when you 
take the 12 minus the 26, the result will be measured on whatever the underlying market is. So if it's in pips, ticks, in absolute or points. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is that the depending on what uh, price or uh, the absolute price of the underlying market is, that will also be the value of the MACD. And that yeah. means that the MACD for the S&P 500 will be different than the, S than the value for the uh, euro, which will be different than the sure. for natural gas. Sure. So although I like the properties of the MACD because it's an unbound indicator, and that means that as the market expands, the indicator will follow. It doesn't get pegged at high levels, sort of, for example, the RSI or the stochastic because you can go from only zero to 100. And that's yeah. the minus that range band indicators have. So I wanted basically to normalize an unbound indicator. So I took the MACD, saw its problems. That was the first of the problems because it's an absolute price. You cannot compare it across time. Yeah. Take, take an example, uh, the S&P 500. It has grown over the past 20 years many fold. And that means that you, the, the price of the MACD today is not comparable to the price of the MACD uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. So, and also it's not comparable across markets. As we mentioned before, it's not, uh, you cannot compare the MACD versus the Euro. And because of these two fundamental problems, you cannot create objective uh, overbought and oversold levels. You cannot say the, the MACD is in this threshold, so the market is overbought. Yeah. Plus, there were two issues with the signal line that I did not like. The first one is because you cannot feel some. I found that when using the MACD, the classic MACD, I found that some signals were worked really great and some were really bad. The thing is, I could theoretically pinpoint or highlight which signals I wanted, but from a quantitative point of view, I could not do that because I could not say take signals from the MACD when it has a high value or a low value because there's no such thing as high or low value if it's an absolute price indicator. So yeah. I wanted to normalize it. So the first way to normalize it and, um, was to divide it by the price of the underlying market. So if the uh, MACD is X value, we take that as a proportion of the market that we are studying. So if the uh, S&P 500 has an X value, the MACD is an Y, so we do Y over X. So we get to put it the points in relation with the price of the market. And in theory, uh, if you multiply this number, it will be put to a percentage basis. You can have the MACD percentage and mm -hmm. theoretically it should solve the problem, but practically it does not. Okay. Practically it does not because if you, uh, for example, take overbought and oversold levels for the S&P 500 mm -hmm. based on the MACD percentage and mm -hmm. then you try to compare these versus, uh, and these are the markets I compared to in the uh, paper. For example, the bond market, bonds, uh, had the yeah. German boom, and also natural gas, you will find that they had different overbought and oversold levels. Mm -hmm. So my question was, why does this happen? Why do they have different, because we've normalized, which it's everything on a percentage, you know, 5% is a, a 5%. But 5% uh, actually is not a 5% across all markets. And the reason is volatility. Um, so, for example, natural gas, which is a very, very volatile market, has a um, different volatility structure than a fixed income market, sort of like the boons. Uh, so the idea was how to normalize the uh, MACD, not by price, by volatility. Ah. So once I normalized it by volatility, then I found that it had fantastic properties in that it was stable around the mean uh, across all markets. Then I, I started to um, examine the local minimum and maxima for each market. And I found that they were very, very consistently the same across all asset classes. And even they had different trend structures, even if they had different volatility structures. And for example, when I say different trend structures, as we all know, there is an upward bias for the uh, for equity markets. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, if we plot a 200-day moving average on the S&P 500, we'll find that is more than 60 to 70 percent time above it. But if we take a market, for example, like natural gas, it's 50-50. So, 
So it yeah. has a different trend structure. I mean, there's an upward bias for the equity markets. But the MAC TV, despite these different uh, structural differences, uh, for example, on trend or volatility, it had the same properties. And it opened up the door for new pattern recognition opportunities. Um, it, it was it was a, a, a great way to truly get a momentum readings. Wow. So so you can, of course, you can use it on every market, but it's not on price, it's on volatility. Uh, no, it, you use it on price, but you yeah. normalize by volatility. When I say basically, I it's the formula uh, of the MACD, 12 yeah. minus 26, divided by the average true range. Ah, okay. So you, yeah. you basically, you, you get the, uh, uh, the level of momentum purified by volatility. Mm -hmm. So the leftover, the residue over volatility is pure momentum. So what you find is that when momentum is one and a half times its volatility, the market is very overbought. Uh, yeah. But because it, the, the indicator goes between finite levels, it, so it is like um, it is like uh, normalized indicators, for example, the RSI or the stochastic, where you have the, you know, the so-called 70 and 30 into a 20 levels. Mm -hmm. And but you also have the advantage of it being unbound, like the uh, rate of change on the MACD. Ah, interesting. So I definitely have to check this out. It's already available on some trading softwares, right? Absolutely, I, has been very well. about trading view, but I'm not yep. sure if it's upcoming already in place. The well, good question. I will be launching it for myself this right. week. Uh huh. But there have been many other users who have yeah. uh, already programmed it because you know trading is an open source uh, product so a lot of people who like the work already programmed it there yeah um but like i mentioned i will be doing my own version this week plus there it is it will be available also on mt4 uh it will be an available on ami broker it will be it is available on stock charts it will mm -hmm. be very shortly available on optima and metastock and other platforms as well Wow. Wow. So well, congratulations. You are part of the big indicator oscillator system of the world built Thank for you. eternity, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, to, to, yeah. It was never, it was never my intention. I mean, I just basically wanted something for my own use. This, this didn't start with the intention of uh, writing a paper, hence the gap between, you know, 2014 when I started my journey and 2022 mm -hmm. when I decided to publish it. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted something practical. I wanted to solve a real life problem, not just to create something that would have my name on it. I just wanted to get the best of these two types of indicators and create something that works, um, has both advantages. And um, yeah. that's how it came to be. I had no intention of that. The rest of it just was um, a follow through from demand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, this is how it it's supposed to be evolving things you know not just having one thing working forever and that's that's also because you, you already said yeah okay people just program it by themselves into trading you so okay no business model here but it's not necessary because it's contribution to our industry to the traders of the world it's like okay this is what i have in mind this is my idea people use it people work with it people change things and then things evolve they grow right so you you use the work of gerald apple Absolutely. now it's it's another word work but it's based it's based it's based on on always you know always it's guest it, it gets gets better absolutely and and, and the thing is it's even gotten better than the paper because um because I was working it for such a long time, I managed to work out a lot of patterns, which obviously because of limitations of time, I could not put into the paper. I mean, the paper was already ridiculously long. I mean, it was about around 40 pages with the average paper size about 15 to 20, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously couldn't write, put everything would be more like a book than, yeah. um, uh, than a paper. So I'm hoping what I will be doing is I'm, I might be trying to commercialize the other stuff which I didn't put in the in the paper because a lot of right. done a lot of work on the on improving the signal line, uh -huh. so that gives a lot more accurate readings of trend of change because the MACD when you know when someone uses the signal line, there is a lag between the signal line and the uh, MACD indicator. So yeah. by using new techniques, 
I managed to minimize that gap, not minimize. I mean, it's the, there's an improvement of on average one to five bars per side, and that can be huge. Well, I definitely have to check this out because, um, you know, MACD is such a classic. Everybody used it at least, maybe also uses it still. But, you know, everybody knows about. And if if this really, you know, if, if, if this brings things further, makes really a difference because the, basically the idea is amazing, you know. And you know, having it with volatility is, is very it cool. Is, when, I, when I first discovered this, to tell you the truth, I thought, it made so much intuitive sense to normalize by volatility yeah. that I, I didn't think anything of it initially. I thought it was many, it's, it's, you know. And then I started looking into the bibliography. If someone else has done it before me, I thought, I said, no, surely, surely, must have, surely must have thought about it. I mean, the, the MACD indicator has been around for almost half a century. I don't think I'm the only one that noticed it. And there was no one else that noticed it. And I thought, um, yeah, it made intuitive, intuitive sense. And, uh, um, I'm happy that I stand as the shoulder of giants like uh, Gerald Appel because without him, my work couldn't have been possible to make. Yeah. And um, and I'm hoping that you know people will take it forward and improve it themselves. Exactly, exactly. So this is how it works, and this is how you know we all get better. And this is how that's also what I really love on on the trading industry because usually everybody is like happy to share, everybody is happy to discuss, everybody is happy. To, to see how things are going on. And saying this, I mean, we're, we're both on the same, you know, this, this mailing list from, from John, yeah. where all, you know, everybody's discussing. And I really love this because you, you have all these people, all the big names in this mailing list, and they are discussing about things you never thought of they exist. And, you know, it's so, it's so much to learn over there and to read and we feel like, wow, these guys, they don't have to discuss about anything anymore for years but they do it because they love it yep. you know that's absolutely. really impressive absolutely so really love it yeah yeah i completely um, agree with you will and you're quite right i mean there's so much knowledge i mean and i'm i'm as far as i'm concerned i'm trying to learn from everyone i meet no matter how experienced because if for example you might meet someone who's less experienced but yeah. they might give you a good idea uh, of course. So it's it's yeah, always as if you, one keeps an open mind, you can always be learning. Yeah, yeah. You know, people sometimes ask questions where I feel like I never thought about this. That's <laughs> true. Know? That's true. Like this, that's and it's true. very important. And this is how you learn, how you grow. I really love this tool. So yeah, that's that's why also one of the parts and the benefits of making interviews with colleagues. You know, so because you learn so much, like. Your your company is called Smart, you know. So you have uh, you have this Smart Trader uh, Systems, yeah. Yeah, Smart Trader Systems. So what exactly is this? What do I understand? Smart, it's, trader? smart Trader Systems. Um, I'm I'm launching the website in a few weeks. Uh -huh. At its core, it will look. To, I'll be looking to share my work primarily with institutional investors. It will also okay. have individual investors as well. And looking to take people up the trader development stages, the five trader development stages. Oh, Hence right. the name SMART. It's an acronym, basically. I mean, of course, it's a word. It's a uh, it's a play for words because SMART, you know, means SMART. But also SMART, this is uh, an acronym of the five trader development stages. So S is the first stage. Uh, and then it goes all up to T. So the company will be looking to uh, uh, share my work, basically. And uh, we'll have two primary uh, stay, um, areas of focus. The first one will be create a, um, a learning path. A 15-stage learning path will include technicals and fundamentals. I can show mm -hmm. my MTMF method, multiple time frames, multiple factors. And then also we'll have some support. Uh, which will be real-time uh, analysis, signals, basically coaching, community, yeah. and uh, uh, commentary for the market. All right. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. So what what are these stages a trader goes through? Is you know like these these five stages the development? Yeah, of course. It's technical, fundamental. Mm -hmm. The first the first stage is what I call the. Um, the self-awareness stage. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, Self-awareness yeah. stage is the stage where one, I'm looking from, because, you know, the smart system works different for individual than for institutions. Okay, let's start on an individual investor basis. Mm-hmm. The first thing one has to do is get a bit of self-awareness in the sense uh, of having three steps. Sorry, mm-hmm. four steps. Four steps. The first one is the goal. The goal is to for want to have a very conscious decision on what they want to do. Do they want to be a part-time trader or a full-time one? Do they want to trade for income or for growth? Because yeah. you'll have a different uh, path for both these objectives. The second step they have to do for self-awareness is are for realities. And realities, I mean, objectively try to look at what is the requirement for the various types of capital they need. They need emotional capital. They need financial capital. They need uh, also an educational capital and also time capital. So four types of capital they need. Realistically, how much time they will need. Realistically, how much money because you have to have a certain amount of money in order to, because for example, if you want to be doing it full time, you I would say don't even remotely um, consider it without having at least 50 grand aside, at, even at the, at the very, very low end of it. And, and yeah. that's, of course, doing leveraged investment, even talking about stock investments. Yeah. Um, so you also need to also have your time capital, you know, how much time you have per day. You also need to have your emotional capital, check with your family if they're willing to support you along this stage. So you've mm-hmm. got these four types of capital. So the, the third step within the self-awareness, the first stage that is, is look at the um, obstacles, what is standing between your way. Primarily, I would say in this most of the cases, it's mindset. It's a mindset problem, having a DIY mindset for yeah. for most uh, at least individual investors and the last one is your uh, will and the will is a function of how much do you want this because you may say okay i want this but there are levels to this you may be interested or you may be committed so mm-hmm. as part of the self-awareness stage you have to f- decide if you are interested or are you committed yeah yeah so that's the first stage the second stage of trader development is M, M for market knowledge. So if you've made the commitment to go from first stage to second, M is for uh, market knowledge. Market knowledge includes both technicals and fundamentals. And for that, I've created a, a learning path, which goes from monthly, weekly to daily time frame, And it has the various different factors I look at from technicals and, um, uh, technicals and macro. Perhaps yeah. we can go into this later, but now let's stick to the five stages. The mm-hmm. third stage is the A for action plan, because at stage two, which is market knowledge, you learn about the ingredients, eh? the flour, the butter, and the milk. Yeah. But the third stage, the action plan or the trading plan, as we call it in our, you know, in uh, from a trading point of view, that's the equivalent of having a recipe and knowing the. Knowing about the grid is not the same as having a recipe. Mm-hmm. Now, most people, not most people, by this time, I mean, as far as uh, private investors is, they quit by this stage. They quit by this stage. Uh, you know, the proverbial, um, you know, ninety percent of traders lose. I mean, this is, you know, this is probably the the last of them have left off, because. Uh, most of them don't get to learn about the ingredients. The mm-hmm. third, and, and also the even if they do, they rarely put it into an action plan, a trading plan. But when I say a trading plan, I mean a rules-based systematic. It doesn't yeah. have to be fully automated, but having a rules-based framework. So f- let me give you an example. If the price is above the 200-day moving average and the MACDV is at this threshold level, then I will be buying. Then this is an if-then rules-based trading plan. This is very simple. But it's, a, it's a, but it's a characteristic example of how you can have a rules-based framework. Sure. Um, so yeah. most people quit by this stage and um, don't get to go the fourth one, which is the R of the smart model. R mm-hmm. means for repeat and review. Yeah. And uh, this is the difference that makes the difference. I mean, the boys from men, who people who are willing to, who are interested and to commit it because having a trading plan and looking at the markets is something that you, you know, like, may be interested, but if you commit it, then you will, sorry about this, you will take this to the next level and start 
working, practicing, uh, mm -hmm. using a demo account, using a mentor, using a trading journal, and so on and yeah. so forth. There's a big process. So that's the R of the smart. And the, mm -hmm. final, the first, the last stage is the T, which stands for trader. Then only then you become a trader after you have gone through the uh, the uh, repeat and review stage, which is basically working on a demo. Mm -hmm. And uh, because there is a process to go from demo to live, and once you go on live, how you actually scale up your size again, there is a process for that as well. Yeah. So yeah. that's the short version of the smart. Uh, trading nice. I, I, I really like this idea. I mean, this is this is really just a, a journey to become a professional trader. And I, I also really like the idea because you already include like everything about mindset, uh, you know, financial behavior, so whatever people like to call it, but it's it's already inside of self-awareness, market knowledge. Of course, I mean that's what we we stand for, right? Like technical analysis, like fundamental analysis. This is amazing. I really love the idea of having an action plan I, and and call it like this, you know, so like okay, this is strategy, you know, it's an action plan. I like it really. So it's 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 amazing, and also repeat and review. And this brings me back also to you know to the big names, the, the giants in our industry. It's they never stop repeating reviewing 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 you know so i can i can just recall recent ifta conference where we had some over there like Daryl Gapi, john bollinger and they were really committed they were more committed than most of the visitors why because they were there watching every single presentation from beginning to end yes that is That's a, commitment, right? And it's and it's these a, are trainers. It's, it's really special, and of course, congratulations to IFTA for putting together uh, such an event. Um, and it's a it's a service to the um, to the community at large. Yeah, because by going there, you can watch all, like you mentioned, all these presentations, and one can learn so much. I mean, literally, you can learn so much. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, this is also something. A lot of people feel like there's a really there's a there's just a short way or a shortcut. You can you can just be a trader, have a, just a very short course, watch some YouTube videos, read half a book, done. No, it's not that easy. If it would be that easy, I mean, first of all, everyone would be a very successful trader. Obviously, the opposite is the case. Second, if it would be that easy, everybody would go into it, but it's a fight sometimes, you know, it feels, sometimes it feels like you're really working against yourself as a trader. And this is where really, which separates boys from men, what you already said, you know, like review and uh, re uh, repeat and review, which separates like the kid from the grown up. Let's take it normal, uh, neutral. So, you know, so this is really, really important also to follow as as a trader, some kind of evolution, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, well said, Willan. Um, it is. It's you know, just a matter of um, you know, of will. You know, putting the hours, and it's it's not different than in some respects. It's different than other industries, but in some respects, it is not. For example, I think that you know the 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 trading trading you know learning to trade is pretty much has the same common characteristics as the weight loss industry. You get a lot of people who are trying to uh, promote, you know, the the new idea of how you can eat burgers and pizza, but yeah. at the end of it and lose weight, and you don't have to go to the gym. But at the end of it, we all know that losing weight is a simple formula. You have to eat less than you consume, less than you actually spend. Go yeah. to the gym, you know, deprive yourself of things. But yeah. in trading, you have to do things, learn the fundamentals, which is basically work, learn the basics of, but we all know to know the new shiny indicator or the new shiny technique and go to YouTube because basically someone will tell you what you want to hear. Right. That exactly. This is easy. This is fast. And you can do it without any effort, but nothing worthwhile comes in life without uh, effort. It's funny that you mentioned exactly this because. Exactly today, I was just browsing some headlines, you know, while, while waiting for, for something. And 
I came across this headline was like, like there's a diet injection which helps, which which really helps. But if you don't lose it, if you don't use it anymore, people complain that they're gaining weight again. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> what do you expect? You know, like okay, if you don't use it, if you don't change anything in your behavior, I yep, mean, yep. of course, you will gain more weight. I mean, absolutely. And that's that's know? one of the reasons. Just give me a second. That's one of the reasons why when I talked about the um in the self-awareness state yeah the self-awareness stage it was always about um checking out your will seeing mm -hmm. how committed you are because there are levels to this being interested is not the same as being committed being yeah. entertained is not the same as being educated uh watching a video on youtube you're not getting i mean you're actually getting uh, entertained. You're watching a show, someone else talking about market, but opening up a chart and trying to do it yourself, following a framework, a step-by-step -step framework, and um, then seeing what you're doing wrong, having someone uh, help you with it. And um, that really, really takes uh, effort and time. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, a lot of things to learn for a beginning trader and also for a mature trader. And I can just recall it. I just can say it again and again and again. These guys, the big names we're talking about always, they don't have to do anything anymore for ages. They're done already. But still, and this is real commitment, they're so much into it that they don't want to miss a single word and just go to toilet in a break. Done. right? So that's that's really role model, not just trading or indicator no yeah it's exactly we'll, this behavior absolutely absolutely agree with you that that's why i've always said that um do whatever you really love because yeah. that's that way uh work you i think confucius mentioned this but i'm just paraphrasing him that in that way work will not f seem like work i'm not saying that you won't be hard but you won't be doing it um exercising too much um, motivation or say, okay, let's try to um, get this done. No, because you actually love it. Exactly. From from your point of view, how long or how much time do I need to become really a successful trader? So when I start? So, yeah, good, that's a good question. Well, it depends on many uh, factors. What I can give is the absolute minimums and uh, based, based on my experience, what I have seen. So in general, yeah. I would say the... the um, the answer differs from person to person. The simple mm -hmm. reason is, okay, someone is, for example, let's say someone is maybe a retired banker yeah, who, or who has been laid off work and for the next, say, three to four months decides to give a, um, an, uh, a try to learning how to trade and say, okay, I'll try to do it. If it doesn't work, fine, but I'll have three to four months dedicated, but he's doing it full time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he will have more time rather than someone who's doing it at the evenings. Yeah. So that's an important factor that will sure. also make the question relevant to the person. Another thing is, um, is prior knowledge. Prior knowledge may also, sometimes may be a hindrance, sometimes it may benefit depending on the person. So if someone has come with prior knowledge, but he's picked up a lot of bad habits along the way, and he's not willing to unlearn before learning, that will also add time because it will be more difficult for him to accept a new reality other than the one that he had created in his mind, uh, in, his, in his head. So, yeah. but for someone that comes with prior knowledge, but is willing to uh, let go of bad habits, let's see, go to put it this way, that will make the, short, the, the trip shorter. But to give an estimate, I mean, if someone really wants to do it, I think it's, safe to say and in general as a principle that people overestimate what they can do over a weekend but underestimate how much they can do in the course of say six months yeah so i would sure. break down the process in two parts the first one is the theoretical which mm -hmm. i would give back to pareto's principles nt20 i mean i could give you notes i could give you material that would take you about say maximum three months, a maximum of it, really mm -hmm. maximum. But then focus on the practical side. So for that, I would say probably 
say another four months, six, depending on the on the person, how much willing yeah. they're to uh, spend time practicing, because I think that's the most important bit. But it's doable within, say, nine to 12 months, definitely. It's definitely doable. Yeah. All right. So let's say maximum for most people, if you really committed, put time and effort into it, like twelve months as a rule. Yeah, I think stuff. that. Yeah, I think yeah, that, that's yeah. A, that's a fair that's a fair amount. Yeah, I think that's a, um, yeah, that's a fair amount of time. Yeah, and of course, not to forget that you never stop learning. I mean, honestly, right? But yeah, just just where you feel like okay, now, now I'm good to go. I can start and make more experiences and maybe get also some money out of it, and not just put something into it. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. Is, Well. And um, yeah, of course, of course, it's the it's not also the pro it's also the process that one ha has to. For example, how do you launch a strategy? How do right. the, how do you go from theory to practice? That's also very important because it has uh, it bears consequences both from a financial point of view and also from an emotional point of view. And I think that the emotional capital is more valuable than the financial capital because the financial capital can somehow, unless you mean like really go bankrupt. Can always be replenished, but yeah. the emotional capital once it's damaged, it's more difficult to get back. So that's why oh, yeah. I, I think that you know preserving your emotional capital is a very important. A way to do that is uh, through uh, I'll use a dirty word, something that's a bit more unpopular: demo trading. <laughs> it's not dirty at all because you know, you know, yeah, it's unsexy, of course, exactly. But and it feels boring, but it's not. Demo trading is that you get you gain confidence in following your own rules, is confidence in, let's say, spotting the right situation, Absolutely. and then just jumping into the market, just following also the strategy. Absolutely. And if you go with this, okay, you can go live, of course. Absolutely. Uh, and with you know some some people, I'm saying this because some people criticize that demo trading is not the real thing. But my reply to this, it's 80% of the experience with 0% of the risk. And you've got the exact same thing in other industries as well. For example, airline pilots, they do demo flying. Yeah. They seem yeah. like in flight sims. Or uh, medical students, they operate on cadavers because before operating on a live person. Or yeah. lawyers, they have mock trials. So, you know, everyone, you know, a lot of industries use that. Yeah, they're better off doing so because yeah, yeah. they get they get they can develop some habits, you know, like okay, is it a routine to follow, you know, how things go. So they don't have to to rethink what they're doing in the battlefield to call it like this. I mean it's a little bit martial, but anyway, you know, if if you're into trading, if you're in a market you have to focus on yourself, not on the market. And if you Absolutely. know how to do things because it works on an automatic routine, you're better off, I think, you know? So that's what a lot of people forget. That's why they feel like it's not sexy, but it is. Yep. Because yep. It, it's, you know, it protects your assets as well and your mind. You're totally right. Speaking of, I mean, um, risk and mind is also very connected. So how do you manage risk? Good question. Um, risk can be managed on many levels. First of all, in order to manage something, you first of all have to define it. Yeah. And there are different types of types of risk. Um, the, at, at its core, the two most basic and important ways to manage risk is through position sizing and also having a stop loss. Yeah. And with these two, I'm... Um, It's one of the few things in trading that I'm absolutely, absolute about is using mm -hmm. stop losses and having a small position sizing. I mean, yeah. with other stuff, I might be might be watered down my opinions and say, okay, you might see differently than I do. I have no problem. But these are the two things that I'm really, um, I have strong opinions on, you know, having small position size and a stop. Yeah. These are the two cores. But there are some other types of risks. For example, you might have um, strategy risk. And I'm... For example, if you're using pullbacks, I'm just yeah. mean reversion, and uh -huh. you're using three different mean reversion strategies on the same product. Now you have strategy risk. So because you're trading the same idea off of the same product, so it doesn't really make sense. So you have to diversify across strategies. Now another type of strategy, one of the risk you may have, may be uh, correlation uh, risk. Yeah. yeah. 
um, you know, trading the DAX, the S&P 500, um, the FTSE doesn't make much sense because you've got equity exposure. I mean, theoretically, you can do it, but you have to adjust your exposure to that. So that's one thing you have to do. Now, you also have might have time frame risk. You have uh, you can also have liquidity risks. There are different types of risks that you may uh, have an encounter. Uh, so again, risk management is a very very broad subject. I'm just trying to keep it simple because from a, yeah. from an individual um, uh, individual investor point of view, the balls they have to juggle are less than from an institutional point of view because their their portfolio is more agile and smaller. Yeah, yeah, and basically. I mean, they're, they're just trading one product, or if they go leverage, they go with, I mean, most of them with Forex, CFDs, not so much futures, but it's growing. But yeah, you know, it's not so much to, to look for. And basically, most of it is stop loss, totally agree, position sizing, totally agree as well. The higher the lever, the smaller the position size. Yeah, absolutely. And they tell you, even, even if we bring it to, uh, for example, about Forex or CFDs, I mean, there's yeah. the same principles apply there. For example, you might say, okay, I want to be long the euro versus the dollar. Then I want to be pound, you know, the cable, but the pound versus the dollar. Then I want to be, I mean, you can pick a whole a number of currencies versus the dollar, but you have one short dollar exposure in total. So yeah. that's, you know, that's definitely a thing to be wary about. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, so, you know, with, with the risk thing solved, now let's say I'm, I'm starting as a trader. I have, okay, I have some ideas of how to manage my risk. I have my strategy. And I also think about a little bit how to, to adjust my mindset, being a trader. I have my demo trading. Do you think I'm good to go or did I miss something? Well, in the in the in the beginning steps, I would say you're probably missing the human factor, the mentor. All right. Because you can have a book, but page yeah. fifty-six will not tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> it's true. So, it's so and, and and theory from to from theory to application from info. Let me put it another way: information and implementation are two completely different things. Right. True. And unfortunately as far as education is concerned a lot of people have misplaced the importance of implementation at the expense of information so they, because it, it gives them the idea of a magic pill i can, I can show someone the information yeah. but the implementation is i think is much more important so coming back to your question they're missing the implementation aspect of it and someone to guide them along the way Someone to, for example, like a mentor or a coach who can help them and provide critical feedback. Yeah. Also motivation uh, when they're down. Also try to like um, put them back on the ground when they have a, a winning streak. But someone yeah. to, to do hand-holding. And, and the mentor is part of the implementation process. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. I mean, I'm, I always have conversation like this with you know, with the colleagues and we all agree on this you can read books you can have the youtube you can what video courses we all have video courses absolutely i offer you maybe you know so but what is it good if you don't have someone just to show you the way you know to to guide you to be on your side as a mentor totally true you totally got it and uh well that's yeah, that's that's the main point, and of course, you need to have a proper strategy, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, a mentor will help you to first of all to teach by example, to show right. you what they're doing, and the second thing is also review what you are doing wrong. So, for example, if someone wants to, um, you know, makes a wrong entry or a wrong exit, you need critical feedback because you can't be both the doctor and the patient as well, and. Um, and it's of course, of course, also useful to have a community around that. But you know, have mm -hmm. other like-minded people who are in the same learning path, either at an earlier level or at a later stage, so you can uh, share experiences. Yeah, yeah, true, true. 
as a last question, because I'm I'm just looking at the watch, and we're almost like one hour, which is a good time. Time flies when you're having fun, as they say. <laughs> time is running. It's crazy, right? So basically, what I really also like to ask you is, because a lot of people thinking about this as well, like, okay, so how rich can I be within a year or something like this? So what is really realistic when it comes to profit targets? Like, is it like a one to five or is it risk reward ratio or is it something like you're making 120% a year? What What is your uh, idea about this? Uh, well, it, first of all, in order to speak about returns, we have right. to talk about risk. Yeah. Because someone who's willing to risk 10% of the portfolio mm-hmm. would have a much different uh, theoretical upside potential yes. rather than someone who's willing to risk 20%. Yeah. So if we put it in R multiples, like Van Tharp said, so if someone is goes around, again, I'm, I'm trying to think from a um, private point of view, not from an institutional, from an institutional point of view, if you get one and a half times what you risk, then you're, you know, pretty good. You're pretty solid. Right. Um, but obviously, uh, private investors want a bit more than that. But I would say, okay, probably two or three times maximum of what you're willing to risk. So if you're willing to risk 10% of your portfolio, you shouldn't be expected, you know, to realistically to make more than 20% or 30% at the best. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, you, you theoretically, you can do, but the, it's not what is possible, but it's also what likely. Yeah, true. So th- yeah. this is what I would do. I know I know most people want to be achieving higher returns than that. It is achievable, but it, um, what I'm saying is it will come at a cost. And, that, and these, uh, these, these are discussions that one has. Uh, if we go back to the smart trader development stages, back at the S, the first day, the self-awareness, because these questions come up at then. Okay, how much can I expect? Of course. How much are you willing to risk? Once you've got that into place, how much I'm willing to risk, then you can set them out in a monetary figure. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, well, just make 10% of my account. Because why people say like this, it's they always feel like the next trade will be a winner anyway. So I can risk more, which yep, is yep. a bad decision, of course. But you know, people are always very confident because everybody tells them, you're a trader, you're going to buy Lambo. You know, I'm, I'm over-exerating a bit, but it, this is what people feel about. Yeah, I'm yeah, getting yeah. rich. Oh, you're a trader, you're rich. No, I make a living, you know? What? You just make a living, you're not rich? So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, so this, it this is... Concept. It is it's the hardest job to make an easy living. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. And uh, but also it's it's one of the most interesting jobs as well. You meet a lot of great guys all over the world. I know myself because I'm traveling the world, meeting all the great guys. So yeah, it's not it's hard, but no, it's great. Absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree. I think we're on the same page. Exactly, and I would like to have this as ending statement, right? So trading. Being a trader is a great job, great decision, but it comes with a price, right? Yes, I, I like all most things, um, but I would like to I, I like to uh, focus on the positives, which is that it is achievable. Uh, it's not. It's definitely more. It should be more than ninety. You know. You know. They say ninety percent of traders lose. It should. You should have probably more than ten percent of success. And it's individual. Yeah. If you someone is willing to put more than the average, they can definitely do it. It's there's nothing. And speaking from experience, there's nothing special about me. I, I'm I'm your average guy that you will meet in a pub. Um, it's just the the difference in at least in my case that made the difference is that I I love what I do that's it it's not about intelligence it's not about having a finance degree it's not about having connections um it's just about you know loving what you do and willing to put the hours other than that we live in an era where there is abundant information uh and if you're willing to put the work into the implementation it's definitely doable period <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's totally it. Alex, thank you so much 
for all your insights and uh, well, also, also some some great explanations. And yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more to what you said. So once again, thanks for sharing. Hope to see you next time live and in person somewhere in a conference. I hope so. Well, I hope so. so. Perhaps at an uh, IFTA conference. Yeah, yeah, it will be. I cannot disclose it right now, but it will be around the area I'm right now, and I'm in Asia. <laughs> There's a hint for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, Alex. Thanks, and Take... see you next time. Bye bye. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you, Willand. That's already it, and I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and you took away some learnings for your personal trading. If you want to learn more about me, about my interview partners, if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one coaching or even get into a training course with me or my interview partners, just get into the show notes and follow one of all these links you find there. And then I will be happy to hear and see you again. Your Wieland Alt.